podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, my co-host, Ben Ayton. Ben, um, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about Moonrothy's first away win. We are, unfortunately, having to talk about defeat, but aside from football, Happy New Year, and how is the New Year treating you so far? Yeah, Happy New Year, mate. Um doing well um it was going well until yesterday's performance it's kind of put me in a bit of a bad mood after that um really unacceptable away performance yet again um but other than that new year's going all right um we're gonna try our little girl on some baby food today and um, she's been on milk for last well since birth and we're gonna try and introduce her to some food from today so yeah that's quite exciting but yeah how about you mate How's the media treated you so far? Yeah, uh, with three days in, uh, you know, nothing nothing really changes, to be honest, does it? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, still in, we, we're now in tier four up in Nottinghamshire, as is most of the country now. Um, I'm surprised he didn't do a full lockdown, if I'm honest, but that's a completely separate thing. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I've it's going to be an exciting year for myself. You know, I'm, I'm looking to, uh, to buy my own place for the first time ever. I'm 25 now, I'm not getting any younger, certainly don't bloody feel any younger, um, so I think it's about time that I moved out, so I'll be, uh, if all is well, I'll be moving back to Birmingham and uh, buying myself a place, so in terms of... your mum can't walk, wait to get rid of you. <laughs> I keep mentioning it to her and she goes, I'm not that bad to live with, am I? I'm like, no mum, I'm just excited to move out, <laughs> so yeah, um, but she won't miss me recording the uh, podcast early in the morning, but uh, yeah, I can uh, I can record it whatever time I want. Uh, when I move out, but yeah, no, all good, all good from me. Um, in in terms of 2021, hopefully it's a, it's a good old year, uh, and we're not alone. We were due to have a guest on, but unfortunately, that guest couldn't make it, so we will get them back on at some stage. Um, instead, we've got the capable replacement of uh, James Bachelor from the Watford Way. James, how are you doing? Happy New Year, and how's the New Year started for you? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Happy New Year to both of you two um, as well and Happy New Year to everyone else um, who's listening today as well. Would have liked to have started the new year off with a Watford win, obviously. Um, that, that, that wasn't the case, but, but hopefully, we can, um, hopefully we can be more positive here today and try and find some positives out of what was a really, really negative game. Yeah, hopefully we uh, we we can do. Um, the positive is maybe we scored away from home. <laughs> Don't usually do that, do we? So, uh, but yeah, we're um, we'll, we'll get straight into it now. Just before we do talk about the Watford game, um, I wouldn't usually mention something like this purely because it's a Watford podcast. Uh, but if you guys that follow us on social media haven't seen already, um, we have mentioned in the past that we sort of keep an eye on Berkhamsted in the non-league. Now, if you guys haven't already seen it, Berkhamsted are basically being told that they may be being bought out and then the people that are buying them out are going to build houses on the or apartments on Broadwater, the stadium. And as a result of that, Berkhamsted are being told that they'd have to move to Bourne End. Um, 
and the grounds would be only accessible via car. Now, if you don't know already, Berkhamstead, uh, the stadium is a short walk from the train station. You can get buses, car, whatever. So to move them out of Berkhamstead um, and then to say, well, you can only get there via car, a lot of people just won't be able to afford to go over there. Um, so there is a petition to sign, which I believe goes to the local council. Um, I think they've, when they introduce it, they're well over a, a thousand petition signs now. Almost uh, so 3,000. There we go. So if you've got a spare, literally takes two minutes, not even that, I, I don't think. If you can sign it, that would be absolutely great. And Ben, I know it's um, a football club close to your heart. You've had quite a bit of involvement in the history, haven't you? Or in the yeah, past, I've, yeah, I've basically grew up down there. Um, my family used to go down every weekend to go watch them. Uh, I've actually worked for the club as well. I've worked behind the bar. I've worked on the turnstiles. I've worked in the the, the tea caddy and um, produced the hot chocolates at half time and all that. So yeah, very close to my heart. Um, it's, it's my local side. Um, I grew up in Berkhamsted, so yeah, very close to my heart. And it's vital that we keep Berkhamsted town well. We used to be called Berkhamsted Town. Um, they're Berkhamsted FC now. It's very important that we keep them in the town. Um, it, it's no, it's not good for any non-league side when they're forced out of their town into the village next door, which is Bourne End. Um, so yeah, it's vital that we keep them in Berkhamsted. So yeah, it literally takes two minutes. So if you could go online and sign the petition, it'd be a massive help for the community because um, it really needs its football club to be in the town centre. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, completely agree. Um, the it is imperative if we can get as many signatures as possible. So please, please do so. Um, right. So starting with the Watford Swansea game, as as we should. Starting eleven, as always. There was only one change, and that was a bit of a forced one because the player is no longer here. Um, uh, and I'll touch up it, touch upon it in a little minute. Chalaba coming in for Kapu. Just first, gents, I want to get your reactions. Kapu's no longer a Watford player. Ben, how do you feel about that? You know, try and sum it up in a few words if you can, because I know he's a bit of a legend at Watford now. Yeah, uh, gutted. Uh, probably one of the best, if not best, player I've seen under the Pozos. Um, for him to come in from Spurs when he had a troubled time to come into Watford, played him week in, week out, grew as a player, matured as a player, and he was absolutely outstanding as a Watford player. And yeah, he's going to be missed massively. And we, we saw it yesterday. Um, I don't think he's been half bothered this season. I don't think we've been seeing the real Kapu that we did last season and the season before. But even the half arsed Kapu played better than our central midfielders that were in the side yesterday. Um, it just shows how much class he oozes in. And yeah, he's going to be a massive miss. But yeah, I just want to say thanks for being such a fantastic servant for the club. Um, yeah, he's going to be um, truly missed. Absolutely. And, and James, you know, we've, we've sold him for the fees likely to be around £2 million. Now, a lot of Watford fans will be saying he's had it. You know, we probably should have got more. But if we're being honest, he's not getting any younger. He had, what, two years left in his contract, was it? Um, but just how big a miss is he going to be, James? Oh, absolutely huge miss. And with Kapu as well, I don't remember, we got him pretty much in the prime of his career, obviously coming from Tottenham, where where he probably didn't play, obviously, as much as he would have wanted. And, and we really made him the player that, that he is now today. And, um, yeah, and as, as Ben summed up quite nicely there, he's going to be a huge miss to our, to our midfield. And as, as he said, even, even a 50%, 40% Kapu 
Um, I'd, I'd take that over the midfield performance I saw yesterday. So yeah, absolutely a huge miss. I think some people on Twitter um, jumped to the legend conclusion, said he was a Watford legend. Mm. I don't think I'd go quite that far, but oh, he, was okay. definitely, he was definitely the most talented player I've probably seen in a Watford shirt in my lifetime anyway. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I think what you've just ended on there, a lot of people will agree. Um, you know, depending on how old you are, you might have seen some absolute greats, but a lot of young Watford fans, Kapu will go down in probably one of the best Watford players in their in their time as a Watford fan. Um, Could you so, imagine yeah. a, a midfield two, both in their prime of Kapu and Abdi? Oh, wow. That would have been something else, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe Tozer as well, just for the free kick element. Oh, the midfield free, brilliant. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Uh, how much we need that right now. But yeah, so in terms of the starting 11, that was just that one change. Obviously, after the last game, which was the Norwich game, we obviously saw Graham Deeney create a few half chances in that game. Um, Gray probably should have scored in the Norwich game, which we went over last week, Ben. Was you perhaps a little bit disappointed to see Deeney and Gray start again? Or was you like, OK, no, we, we can stick with these. We can make it work. Because I know you said that in the long run, you think it will work. But was you still maybe perhaps a bit surprised? Or was you like, no, let's stick with what we got? I'm not going to say too much onto this too early because I, I want to really sum up their performances at the end of the game. But yeah. after their performance against Norwich, uh, I thought they, they deserved another outing together. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I, I was pleased that they both started. Am I pleased at the end of the whistle? Absolutely not. And I, I've got a, quite a big rant to go off later on about okay. that. OK. No, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. Um, and then the bench sort of points as if, you know, I had to ask you guys before we started recording, have we been hit by COVID again? Because the bench was like quite a few youngsters on it. So you had Backman, Trooster Kong, Messina, Garner Hughes, Navarro, Sam Dolby, Joseph Hongbo, and um, Critchlow. So, you know, there's three players there that I wouldn't expect. Yes, we've seen Critchlow on the bench earlier this season, and I think Hungbo was on the bench against Norwich, but uh, Sam Dolby's only just got back from quite a long injury. So maybe that points towards us having a few issues, and it, it was reported on that Perez did pick up a, uh, an injury in training. So please, God, it's not too much of a bad injury, because uh, I've got a feeling... After after yesterday, a lot of Watford fans are, are going to want to see something different up front. Um, but in terms of the game itself, it was a it was an all right start. You know, we we, we started okay. We looked quite bright. I, you know, I thought, but it only took thirteen minutes for us to score away from home, and it felt almost too good to be true. Now, what I want to say, James, is we've we've mentioned it before in this podcast. Andre Gray, um, his Bad touch, ultimately. We we sort of use that to our advantage. And Tom Cleverley's absolutely walloped it one from outside the area. How many times have, A, we seen Andre Gray take a bad touch like that? And, B, how many times has Tom Cleverley tried that shot? It feels like every other game, and this time it's actually come off. Yeah, it has come off this time. I um, just want to say thank you very much to Andre Gray for having a terrible touch. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as you said, there led to the cleverly goal, and um, and yeah, it was a it was a it was a fantastic strike right along the floor. Goalkeeper wasn't really didn't really have any chance of stopping that, and um, and yeah, it was a great way to, to 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 get the game going. Albeit we probably didn't deserve to go ahead because Swansea had a few, I wouldn't say clear cut chances, but before cleverly 
did score that goal. They had a few little crosses um, in, into the box where, where maybe someone should have got on the end of it. So, so I was obviously pleased to go to go one nil up, but I was also quite wary that we weren't really taking a deserved lead, and Swansea really should have been level as well. But sometimes, Ben, that's that's better, especially when you're playing against the the, the teams that are going to be up there. Um, whereby we we might be on the back foot a little bit, but then we score a goal. Um, and as James said, you know, he believes that's what happened yesterday. Was you surprised that we took the lead when we did, or do you think we perhaps started a little bit better than James is he's giving off there? Um, no, we only really had one chance before we actually scored as well. Um, I think Swansea was actually edging the game. They, they had the better chances. I remember a chance James was talking about uh, one of their fullbacks got to the byline and fizzed the ball right across the six-yard box and they evaded it. Absolutely everyone. It just needed a toe off a Swansea player or even coming off the hill of Watford player and it would be in the back of the net. So, yeah, they were looking dangerous and we only really had that one opportunity just before we scored and special mention to Ben Wilmot because he was chasing the ball that was going out for a throw and he, he slid in to keep it in then he was tossing with um, Jamel Lowe in the corner flag won the ball back yet again produced an absolutely fantastic ball with his left foot which is his weaker foot uh, into Andre Gray and Andre Gray actually has three chances to pull it away from one two yards out and fails on every single opportunity which was abs- which summed up his performance yesterday but yeah Ben Wilmot was outstanding yesterday and then I think five minutes later after that we managed to score um, from Tom Cleverley which was a fantastic strike but yeah um, I, f- I felt once you take one nil lead you, thought, you think right okay confidence is going to start to grow um, we'll put them onto the back foot a little bit we didn't I don't think I've written down that we had a chance after we scored not until the 70th minute well I think as you say there Ben you know we, we're so used to so far under Ivic where if we have taken the lead away from home and to be honest even at home then, then we're quite happy to sort of sit back and soak up the pressure and we thought no Moonoth is going to be different we, we're going to attack we're going to be on the front foot I don't. That wasn't the case yesterday when we scored. It it almost felt a bit ivichy, if you like. Yeah. I don't know if that's something you'd agree with, but it almost, in the sense of, right, we've scored the goal. Let's not worry about attacking too much. We'll soak up the pressure a little bit, and it's a little bit disappointing. And listen, I'm never going to sit here and slag off Munoz, um, especially two games in. But you would have expected us to maybe be a little bit more attacking, play with the shackles off a little bit, because. Obviously, the lads have been saying in in the media how how much they're enjoying Munoz's uh, you know style of play. He's, he's him as a person. So to see us play that way yesterday, especially after taking the lead, very disappointing, isn't it, Ben? It is disappointing, and I, when Ivic came in, we heard, "Oh, he, he's an attacking manager. He, you, mm-hmm. You're going to see the best of him." We've also seen Munoz come in. I know he's he's two games in. And he plays attacking football, but we're yet to see it yet. And and after the, where we where we are now, January, in the season, mm-hmm. it's possibly not down to the managers, is it? It's it's the players at their disposals. It's the recruitment. I don't think we've got the players, especially in midfield, the creative players to actually make us attacking. We're so defensive in our midfield. But I, I like Cleverly, his workhorse. Um, Garner don't really offer much. Chalaba don't really offer much. We ain't got anything creative, and our midfield is so far away from our attacking two. And our attacking two was non-existent yesterday. It was like we were playing with nine men. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, we will get onto that. But James, 
obviously, you know, we score a goal and then it's just all Swansea. They're just peppering us. And Foster, I seem to recall, he, he made a half-decent save. It was a snapshot reaction save. Um, can't remember who it was from now, but um, a, a very good save. But let's jump to the second half because... <laughs> I mean, uh, not jump to the second half, sorry. Let's jump forward to the 42nd minute where, 43rd minute where Jamal Lowe has got the ball on the edge of the area. Now, I don't know if I'm being a little bit too harsh here, but I, I think Sierra Elta has to close him down. You can't just stand that far away from a defender with your arms behind your back and lift your leg, hoping that it will take a clip off your leg and, and stay out. You have to close him down. So, A, why has he got that shot off in the first place? But B... And tell me if I'm being too harsh, James. I think Foster has to save that. Yeah, I think um, start with Sirielto. He obviously had a great game against Norwich, and I was on yeah. I was on kind of Twitter singing his praises. Um, had a lot of Chilean Watford fans DMing me saying that that he's a fantastic player, and rightly so because that performance against, Nor- against Norwich was great. Um, but as you rightly pointed out there, Mike, he kind of closed him down to a point, and then he kind of just stopped. Yeah. And if you are going to close someone down, you should do you sh- you should fully commit to it and um obviously that that kind of led um to him cutting inside and, and shooting and and yeah Jamal Lowe was kind of causing our defense all sort of problems him and Andre Ayew especially off, off them flanks we we really couldn't deal with them and I thought I thought it was a good finish um I would agree that Ben Foster probably if his starting position was better he might have got there um but it was right into the right into the bottom right hand corner so I think you might be in a little bit too harsh, but but I do see where you're coming from. Yeah, and Ben, I think you alluded to it. You perhaps thought that Foster maybe thought it was going wide, but either way, we, we should have really let let the shot, well, not let the shot come in, to be honest. Um, it's funny you mentioned that, James, how you were sort of singing Sierra Elta's praises. It's just reminding me, and you had a lot of Chilean fans in the DMs, and Ben, we've obviously touched on it in the past, you know, the Chileans sort of, bombard the Watford Twitter whenever Sierra Elta doesn't play, saying that you, he must play, he must play. Um, after Sierra Elta's fine performance against Norwich, I received a, a DM from a Chilean newspaper reporter uh, asking for an interview about Sierra Elta. Um, and yeah, so I, somewhere in Chile, uh, my words are in a, a newspaper over there. So, no, what, um, Mike? She, she approached me as well, mate. Did she? Did she? Yeah. Did you did you give her anything or? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brilliant. look, we might be publishing the same newspaper. Who knows? Exactly. Well, you know, if if there is any Chileans listening, if you want to sort of pay for my flights over there, nice cushy hotel. You know, uh, I'm I'm free whenever. Just uh, just DM me. Um, but no, shameless plug that was. Um, but yeah, all joking aside, I think he's got to do better there. Um, and do you know what I think? because of the timing of the goal also as well, by the way, uh, I just want to point out the amount of times I've been tagged in this already and the amount of times my mates have mentioned it. And to be honest, I'm surprised it's not happened already. Jamal Lowe, little bit of a cheeky fella, uh, almost swore then. Um, soon as he scored the goal, what does he do? Runs over to Ben Foster's GoPro and celebrates in front of it. Now, I'm surprised it's taken that long, to be honest, gents, but uh, I'm sure a lot of players will be doing so now. Well, Hopefully they won't because Foster will stop all the uh, all the goals from going in. But yeah, um, it, it was bound to happen. So for anyone that's tagged me in it, I've seen it. You don't need to keep tagging me in it. And uh, yeah, I'll find it quite funny actually. Um, but in terms of the first half, that, that goal couldn't have come at a worse time for us, Ben. Obviously we were on the back 
sort of back foot a little bit anyway. Uh, we went 1-0 up, continued to be on the back foot a little bit. Then they go and score right before half-time and it sort of knocks a wind out of the sails. I mean, looking at the half-time stats, I think we had 41% possession. We had five shots, two on target, two corners, 179 passes and one yellow card. And, you know, the possession might have been a little bit close, but Swansea having eight shots, albeit only three on target, two corners and 246 passes. Um, so did that goal, do you think that goal come at the wrong time? Or do you think regardless of when it was scored, we, we just didn't look like getting back into it? It, it was coming. Uh, Swansea had two or three good chances before that went in. I think IU produced a really good save out of Foster as well just before that went in. So it, it was coming. It was unfortunate. It was three minutes before half time when we was looking to probably get in at half time, one nil up, and then maybe try and assess things at half time because um, there was a bit of a weak link yesterday. And Gaki was down the left hand side and he looked very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe Munes was trying to get to half time before he addressed it. Fair play to him. He did spot that there was an issue and he addressed it at half-time and brought on the Messina for it. But, yeah, it was just coming and it's just frustrating, isn't it? It's just another away performance where it's just frustrating. It's a word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you struggle to find words to, to describe how frustrating it is. Um, but, as you say, Ngakia was struggling down that left-hand side and fair play. You know, I'd, we perhaps, and it might be a bit bad of me to say this, but... We perhaps wouldn't have seen that from um, Ivic and at half-time, as you say, Messina come on. And, um, yeah, natural left-back. I mean, if he, I think we've got to get to the stage now where we're starting him from the from the very start of the games. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised he didn't start after his foreign performance after coming off the bench yeah. last week. So, look, we'll see. You know, we've got Man United in a cup coming up. Whether we save him for that or whether, whether we don't play him for that, sorry, and save him for Huddersfield, the next league game, I don't know. But, James, it's just the, the same old story. I'd, I'd just love to be sitting here talking about how it was so much better away from home. It was so positive, again, up against the tough Swansea side, which we knew it was going to be. But it was the same old, same old. You're going into that second half. You're on the back foot. You've just conceded before half-time. And the way the second half started, I don't really think there was anything to shout or write home about, was there? No, I don't think so at all. And I don't know whether it's a hangover effect from, from Vladimir Rubic. Obviously, we played quite negative football under him. And I don't, I don't know whether the players kind of fell back into that mentality of trying to, you know, sit back and play for that draw. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of Swansea fans on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, who who were actually quite shocked that, that we played so poorly. Um, you know, they were expecting Troy Deeney, Andre Gray. They thought, oh, they're going to be a, a huge threat to us. We need to be really, really careful. And um, we've actually not mentioned yet, but the Swansea centre-back um, actually got injured in the warm-up and, and yes. the left-back had to deputise in that position. Um, and he was linked with us, wasn't he? He was that Ryan Manning, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And, and when I heard that, I kind of thought that's something we could potentially exploit. Um, but he actually had a really, really good game, mm. um, Ryan Manning. So, so, yeah, really, really disappointing start to that second half. And, um, and yeah, I wasn't very impressed at all. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the next next sort of thing, obviously a lot of people have talked about Nathaniel Chalabur. He's, he's, he's not the replacement for Kapoor. We all know that. He's never going to be as good as Kapoor. He's a completely different player to Kapoor. And we do need to get that midfielder in, I think, that's going to be able to 
do a capable job of trying to replace Capuno. I, I would be very surprised if we're able to bring someone completely the same as Capu in. But I just think, and I'm sure you guys will agree, that Chalabar is not the way forward. Um, he obviously come off and Garner come on, which was a little bit baffling. Now, yes, Capu, uh, sorry, Capu, yes, Chalabar doesn't have the best of games, but to bring a midfielder on for a midfielder when at the time it was still 1 1. Um, I didn't really get that substitution, James. Do, do you do you perhaps see it from a different view? Do you understand why he made it? Or are you thinking it should have been a little bit more attacking? Because James Garner's not really got off to a flyer this season. Uh, and I was sort of hoping that would change under Munoz. Yeah, I kind of thought we were getting dominated in that midfield area. And I was kind of hoping that Zisco might change to... Um, to, to a formation that allows us to have more midfielders, potentially maybe like a 4-2-3-1. Obviously, we are limited in the sense that we do have injuries or positive COVID tests. We're not quite sure what's happening with some of our players at the moment. Um, and, and obviously, as you mentioned at the start, Sam Dalby, Hungbo and Critchlow on the bench isn't, um, <laughs> isn't quality attacking options. Let, let's just put it that way. So, yeah. so yeah, we were limited in that sense. Um, it's just... I, I think at the moment, any of our midfielders, Hughes, Chalibur, Cleverly, Garner, none of them provide a, a goal-scoring threat for us. And, and as you say, that, that, that is something that we need to address. Obviously, Cleverly got the goal in the game, but he's, he's, he's not prolific. Um, and, that, and that two in midfield really throughout the game didn't work. And, and Swansea always had, always had that extra man where they could just pretty much pass straight through us and, and, and give it off to the flanks where, where the wing where their wingers basically did all the dirty work and ultimately that got them that got them the second goal. Now, just want to pick up on something you said, obviously you, the bench perhaps didn't look as as um, as good as we perhaps wanted it to. But Ben, mm. when, when James just said there that we perhaps don't have anyone in midfield that can really make us look like they're going to be prolific and, and set up attacks, do you... Was you perhaps a little bit disappointed not to see Will Hughes come on as opposed to James Garner? Because yeah. we've seen Will Hughes come on in the past, haven't we? I think, was it Cardiff he come on? And he was the bright spark in that. He was trying to get the ball forward at every opportunity. So was you perhaps a little bit disappointed not to see him? Or Yeah, definitely. I, I would have wanted to play Hughes over Garner purely because I feel like he, Hughes offers more than Garner. Um, he's more offensive and he kind of ups the ante a little bit when he comes on. He looks to get the ball forward a bit more and you can kind of rely on Will Hughes a bit more than James Garner at the moment. Um, yeah. And I was disappointed to see that Hughes, he came on in the 89th minute when you, you're chasing a game and you want to try and bring more options onto the pitch to try and get a goal. Um, then he came on in the 89th minute. Yeah, not not great at all. I mean, to be honest, lads, we just had a conversation about whether Garner should have come on or Hughes should have come on. It didn't really matter either way because seven minutes later, Swansea went and scored their second goal. Um, so it, it didn't work, the substitution. Well, I'm not blaming that goal solely down to that substitution, but I just think that we've got to, A, be stopping that cross because he's had the freedom of the Liberty Stadium there to get that cross in and angle his body. Uh, and, and Ben, your namesake in goal, he's got to be doing a lot better than that. If you come in, get a hand to it, punch it away for all I care, catch it, great, but just get anything on it. If you're coming for that ball, and I know he would have shouted well loud for that as well, you've got to be getting on the end of it. Simple as. 
Yeah, well, I, I think there's three players to probably blame for this goal. I think yep. Messina didn't get close enough. Um, Semmer didn't get close enough. And then the, the positioning of Foster, he was in no man's lands and the ball yes. just went over his head. Uh, and then he, you can see Foster shouting at his defenders afterwards. But it's like, Foster, come on, mate, it's your fault here. Um, it wasn't the, the, the central defenders' fault. Um, it's gone over their heads too. Uh, and then Jamal Lowe's at the near post is... He's pulled himself onto Kiko there and he's, he's going to win a header over um, Kiko to put that in the back of the net. But yeah, Foster's he, he's to blame, I'm afraid. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not the first time I've said it this season. Um, we do love Foster, yes. um, but it's, it's another error by him again. And From my counting, that's five areas this season that has led to goals and um, should Batman play against United and does a decent job, you could probably put a case to does Batman uh... start against Huddersfield? See, this is what I was going to come on to. This is the next point I was going to make. I, I, I was scrolling through social media afterwards, and I, you should never scroll through social media and look at Watford Twitter after we lose because we're bad enough sometimes when we win, but when we lose, and I'm constantly seeing start Backman, start Backman, start Backman. Backman had a brilliant game against was it Oxford in the cup earlier this season where he he, he saved all the penalties in the penalty shootout. Did he save a penalty in normal time as well? Or have I made that bit up? I don't know. Um, he's I don't I don't think he's good enough for this to be playing week in week out at this level. James, I want to get your view on this, James. Would you have you would you agree with what what Ben has just said? Obviously, we expect to see Backman because it's the cup next week. If he plays well enough, would you start him in a few league games or are you Ben Foster, regardless of the errors that he's made, he's still the man for the job? Because it is a very, very interesting subject. It is a very, very interesting subject. Yeah. Um, and I think Ben might just be jumping a little too far today. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say wait a little bit longer because Ben Foster, you know, he, he's been there and done it at pretty much every level possible. Um Obviously, he made the mistake today, but he did also make some really, really good saves um, earlier in the game, just before the first one to go, actually. I think he made uh, two or three saves in, in quick succession. And, and obviously, that doesn't make up the mistake he made for that second goal. Mm. Um, but I think what the fans are too quick to jump um, on errors and, and put all the blame on, on, on that player when, when players do make errors sometimes, just, just naturally. And, um, and yeah, I don't think it's quite the right time to see Daniel Backman in goal. Obviously, in the FA Cup, that's absolutely fine. We shouldn't really be taking the FA Cup seriously this season. Um, but not, not, not in championship games at all, no. I don't think so. I think, I think Ben Foster, you've seen from his YouTube videos even how, how vocal he is and how instrumental he is to, to managing that, that back line. And, um, and look, we, we can have this discussion in, a, in another couple of weeks if Ben Foster's still making these same errors. But, but no, I don't think now is quite the time to, to throw Backman into what is quite a precarious situation for us in the table at the moment. Mm. Consider yourself told, Ben. So, isn't it, right? <laughs> it's that are, it, it, you could understand if it's one or two, but from my counting, that's five areas that have led to goals this season. Would we say the same thing if Dolberg was back in the squad and you, you'd be happy to throw him in? Or is it because it's just Batman on the bench and you don't want him to play? No, I, don't, I, I wouldn't throw Dalberg in either. I, I just think that out of the two, I, 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 I would I throw Dalberg over Backman, 100%. I absolutely see where Ben's coming from, and I'm sure a lot of listeners agree with Ben, but I'm also sure a lot of listeners agree with me as well, and it's probably like mm. a 50-50... Like <laughs> it it's is probably, a tough one, isn't it? It, yeah. it is a really, really tough one, but, but I think 
at least for now, persist with Ben and then ask me again in another couple of weeks and then I'll see where I'm at. Let's see if you get invited on starting arguments on this podcast, James. <laughs> hey, you're on a very thin rope, you are, son. Um, no, 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 it is a very, very interesting conversation. And I don't know why we don't bring Dolberg back. He's finished his loan now, hasn't he? He's finished uh, the season in Sweden. His, season, his season's finished, but I think he's on loan for the year. Um, so I right. think he's there for half of the next season. Right. Which is weird. Sense. Yeah, no, weird timings with the Swedish league. They, they they have like really short seasons over there because I don't think there's as many teams in their division. But I know they qualified for Europe, which is great. But I, I'm I'm thinking as soon as Dolberg's back, he automatically goes straight above Backman in the pecking orders. Um, let us know what your thoughts are, guys, when you're listening. Just drop us a tweet. And, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see everyone's reactions. Now, a couple of half chances just to talk about very quickly. Obviously, we conceded that goal in the 67th minute. Three minutes later, Sierra to gets his head um, on a corner and he, he nods it over the target. Simple answer, then. Should he have done better with it? Or is it really not worth mentioning because it's that much of a half chance? <laughs> It was a half chance. I think yeah. he might have maybe done a bit better and got a better leap on it so he could maybe get more of a connection to it. But yeah, it was just a half chance. Yeah. And and then another half chance with the, the scramble in the box. You know, there was a cleverly crossed it in and uh, Dahini turned and shot and he, it was deflected behind. And um, I was going to wait till after, but Ben talked to me about Troy Dini and Andre Gray's partnership and their game yesterday. Because, yeah, the floor <sighs> is yours. <laughs> It just wasn't good enough yesterday. Um, I've got to admit, I'm, I was wrong last week. I've said that their partnership could work. Um, after yesterday's showing, it definitely can't work, even if they played fair for the rest of this season, next season, the season after that. It just <laughs> won't work. It won't click. Um, there's, there's absolutely no movement. Uh, they offered nothing up front. Both just don't offer enough as strikers anymore. I've praised Troy Deeney last week, um, but I think he was back to his worst yesterday. Um, he was too slow, too sluggish to get into the box. And when he does get into the box and gets a chance, he just snatches at it again and he skies it over the bar. Um, he should have done so much better with that chance. Yeah. Um, Andre Gray this season, he's got one goal that came off his backside and went in against Coventry, which was lucky. Um, Troy Deeney has got one goal from open play this season which was from two yards against Rotherham he's, he's, Troy Deeney's had 12 appearances this season he's only scored one from open play but they just both aren't the same players as they used to be they aren't clinical enough to be leading a promotion push I think Scott Duxbury and Geno's need to realise this and they need to look at new strikers in the transfer window because at this rate we won't make the playoffs yeah yeah and Listen, I'd sit here every week and sort of mention how much of a Troy Deeney fan I am, but even the biggest of Troy Deeney fans has to admit that he wasn't his best performance yesterday and that partnership with Andre Gray just simply isn't working. Is there anything you want to add to what Ben's just said, James? Just that it's a travesty that Andre Gray, like forget about his off-field issues, it's a travesty that he can still start for Watford Football Club in the year 2021. I think that with Troy Dean and Andre Gray, I think for me, now this might be, I might be going way too harsh here, so pull me up if I am, but mm -hmm. I just think that in terms of their actual footballing ability, I think they're overhyped, overrated, and maybe five years ago, Troy Deeney was a Premier League footballer, and maybe five or six years ago, Andre Gray was a Premier League footballer, but 
I think their actual footballing ability is not what some fans want it to be. And I, I, I think this is like this is what we're getting. This is Troy Deeney and Andre Gray right now. This is their this is their level. This is their I level. I don't even think it I don't even think it's their level. <laughs> like I, I can't be having Troy slagged off like this. <laughs> no, but you must be. You must see where I'm coming from, Mike. Yeah. Like, no one, uh, mate. Totally understands. Yeah. Well, ab- well, absolutely. Like Troy Deeney is an absolute legend of the football club. No question about it. But yeah. the actual level of performances they're putting out at the moment. I'll rephrase myself. Maybe this isn't their level. Like maybe Andre Gray would look good in a League Two side. Like I, I, I just like. I don't know. Like put put Andre Gray in that Swansea side today, I think he looks out of place. I think I think you're spot on, James, with what you're saying as well. And like you're saying, five years ago, Troy Deeney and Andre Gray probably that's a partnership that would excite fans. Nowadays, it, it's so past it that they're both past it. I think I don't know what's wrong with Troy this season. He looks very sluggish. He doesn't look the same Troy as what we've seen in previous years. But is that is that because of his age? Is it catching up on him a bit? Is he is he more focused on his media work now? Uh, he, he don't. Another point I want to bring up to you boys as well. Like whenever we 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 lose on the road, whenever it's a defeat, Troy doesn't come out to the media's and do a performance. We said this last season in the Premier League. It was Hughesy coming out making appearances. Yesterday it was it was Ben Wilmot that came out and was talking about it. But as soon as we win, it's always Troy that comes out. He's talking about the performance. I want to see that from a captain when we lose. Yeah, no, I think you you, you make a very valid point, and maybe the fact that. Troy's having to play with a, a partner that's derelict of any confidence whatsoever. Or, or yes, that word. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, Andre Gray's just, obviously, he's derelict of confidence. We actually, back on that Coventry game you talked about, Ben, we sort of said there's, there's a good chance that that might actually spur him on and that might kick his season on. He's done the complete opposite. Uh, I, I want to point out it's a, a jokey stat, but it's absolutely spot on as well. Uh, our good friends over at the Second Tier Podcast, they put a tweet out yesterday saying, since lockdown started, Watford striker Andre Gray has held more illegal gatherings, two, than scored goals, one. Um, I mean, some people will say it's bad enough that he's playing for the club full stop because he's broken lockdown rules twice. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that, that speaks volumes, I think. And we do need to see a change. What change that will be, I don't know, because Man United in the Cup next week, you would imagine that he will play, he will field a weakened side. Um, now, if that is the case, who do we start up front? Especially as we don't know how long this Parizza injury is going to rule him out for. Um, I, I don't know. who. Just quickly, guys, um, who would you, Ben, who would you play up front? If, if it was a 4-4-2 again, Man United, bearing in mind it's a Cup, so sort of no pressure on us. Who are your two Strikers for the Man United game purely because we've got no options. It would, it would do we have to do 4 4 2? Because I don't want to play both of them. Well, <laughs> um, would you we, have picked both of them again? Well, we, we've got no Parisia, we've got no Isaac, we've got no Joe Pedro. Um, would you would you play them at Old Trafford? 
I think it's one of them games where there's no pressure on us. You know, you look at United, a joint top of the Premier League now, and as James rightly pointed out, I don't think the FA Cup's high up our priority list this season, especially not after last week. We need some serious building to do, because at the moment, if we keep playing like that, we ain't going to make the playoffs, let alone automatics. But I think there's a whole lot of pressure off us for next week, personally. What what I'd want to do is probably pay... I would probably want to play a second striker behind the main striker and that second striker being our new new signing. And Zinga, yeah. yeah, Zinga Nagel, is it? How you yeah. pronounce his name? Yeah, we'll I, talk I'd about wanna, him a bit. I'd, I'd want to probably play him behind either Troy or Andre Gray. No, um, not Andre up front on his own. Not a chance. It's got to be Troy all day for me. Um, what's it, what so he can hold the ball up and it just goes back to our def, our, our defence or do you want a creative great. or do you want a creative midfielder in Zingenega where he can actually slide balls in for Andre Gray to run onto? Yeah, but the problem we've got is Andre Gray. His touch at the moment and he's that derelict of confidence. I just can't see him doing anything. Um, it is an interesting conversation to be had. James, who would your striking options be for Manchester United game? I think I think Ben's right. I think that we're really limited in, in what we can do. I think if if we are going to play a one striker formation, as Ben said, I'd probably prefer I'd probably prefer Troy up on his own than than sticking Andre up there. But but it's really really difficult. I, you mentioned Sam Dalby. I don't think I'd stick him up there for a game like this. I uh-huh. think he, he would just get completely lost in the aura of what the yeah. what the occasion is for a young player playing at Old Trafford. I, I just think it would be quite a like an overwhelming experience, to be honest. And I just I, I don't think he'd offer us anything. So, mm. and look, I've not seen enough of Sam Dalby at all to to analyse his performances. So, so you know, it's. <sighs> It's just difficult. As as we said earlier, the cup is really not our priority now. It, no. it is promotion to the Premier League. So as long as we can rotate a, a few players in and out, maybe if we can give Hughes a start, give Messina yeah. a start. Um, obviously, Truster Kong was on the bench um, against Swansea. Give give him some more minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, with it's, it's, if we are going to play four four two again, it's, mm-hmm. it's Troy and Andre again. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say it. Yeah, well, I think you've you've rightly pointed out we we've sort of lacking options and maybe that's an area that needs addressing. Uh, but yeah, so that sort of wraps up the Swansea game. Very poor. Not much has changed from the Ivic style of things, and hopefully it's just a one-off. Listen, we haven't mentioned Munoz is still getting his point across. He's still getting his style of play across. That home game. If that that Norwich game, if that was away, I think we would have lost that. I know there's no crowd in. But I think the fact that we were at home, um, Munoz's first game, it's just that new manager bounce and we've just seen it for one game. Uh, we didn't get battered yesterday. I know the scoreline probably doesn't suggest we obviously got battered, but it wasn't a drubbing. It wasn't like a 4-5-6-1 or 6-0. So that's probably the only positive we can take out of that game. But he is still trying to implement his style of play. So hopefully things are only going to get better for us here. Uh, and and this playing crap away will be a thing of the past soon, hopefully, in 2021. Um, but we will jump on now just to quickly a, a couple more subjects in, in the form of transfers um, because it is the transfer window is now open and we haven't wasted any time we're bringing anyone in. As Ben pointed out a minute ago, we've signed Philip Zinkenagel 
from Norwegian side, Bodo Glint. I think I've pronounced that right. He's, we've signed him on a free transfer after his contract expired. He's 26 years old, Danish, can play on the left wing or right wing, although he is right-footed. And this is the, the, the start. I know a lot of people say, well, it's only the Norwegian league, but the fact that he's done it is sort of wow within itself. There was th- He was involved for 37 goals for Bodo Glimt in the um, Norwegian league last season. 18 assists and 19 goals. Three Europa League goals in 2020. And we've signed him on a five and a half year contract and he'll wear the number seven shirt. Just two points I want to make and I'll ask you one each. Ben, firstly, it doesn't matter that he was in the Norwegian league. The fact that this guy is coming out with 18 assists and 19 goals, that must indicate that he's got quite an amount of flair and hopefully, as you say, he can sort of be be the attacking flair that we need at the moment. I think he could be the link between the midfield and the attack that we're desperately needed. Um, it's a massive step up, though, from Norwegian league to the English Championship. Though, so I really hope he, he transitions over really well. Um, I think there's probably a lot of expectations on his shoulders, though, that people want him to hit the ground running and for him to be amazing straight away. I think it could probably take six months until he's probably up to speed in the championship because it, it can take a while for some of these players to really get up to speed after moving over to a different country. But I, I am really excited by it signing, this signing. I, I, I've watched his YouTube videos. Like Whenever you hear Watford sign someone, you always go onto YouTube and watch some videos and that. I think I've watched about half an hour of, of his games and his assists and his goals. He's a very exciting flair player. Um, if I am to maybe compare him to other players that have played in a championship, I'll probably put him in the same brackets of what he could potentially be like is Adele Tarap and, uh, say, Benarama. Very, very interesting. Hopefully that is the case. And I know exactly what you mean there, Ben, by the amount of times Watford will sign an unknown player and everyone jumps onto YouTube. Unfortunately, some of them haven't quite lived up to expectation. I think um, one that sticks out in my mind is Alexander Merkel. You know, I think he played, I think he played at AC Milan, I think. Uh, And then he played for us in the championship under Sonino. And he got sent off on his debut, I think, um, against QPR. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this uh, Zinko Nagel lives up to uh, expectations and, and provides that missing link, as you say, in the midfield. Um, James, just a quick question I want to ask you. You'll wear the number seven shirt. Is that all but confirmed that we're not going to see Delafayne in a Watford shirt again? I mean, yes. there were question marks, weren't there? But I think that just sort of it's a final nail in the coffin, if you like. I think so. And, and look, it's looking more and more likely and... Um... And I sent a message to someone yesterday, actually, that I don't think we're going to finish first or second this season. I think that it's primarily going to be a playoff fight for us this year. Unfortunately, judging by the performances I've now seen from this squad since the start of the season to now, I think that, you know, if we the whole idea was around Delefeu is that if we wanted him to stay and we wanted him to return to Watford, we had to get promoted to the Premier League. And it is looking more and more unlikely, unfortunately. And look, Gerard Alifayou, look, at the game with Capu, on his day, the most talented player, again, I've probably ever seen in the Watford shirt alongside yeah. Capu. So, yeah, it's just, it is a shame about that. I, I'm really hoping that you're reading too much into it and that's not the case. But obviously, he has taken his number and um, 
and look in football that that is a sign that someone is going to be moving on and um look if Delafeu is going to move on quite frankly I don't blame him so yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just one of these things where unfortunately if we're not the level that Delafeu is at then then we can't keep him I think even then, to be honest, James, even if we did get promoted, it wouldn't be a given that he'd come back because, you know, he's just um, had a, they've just had a baby, haven't they, the, the last few months. Uh, so maybe they want to settle down over in Italy because he's obviously lived there before when he played for AC Milan. Uh, for him to come back over to England and maybe do what Kiko Feminier does, uh, I think his partner and his um, daughter's, live over in Spain. So mm. not every player is going to want to do that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see De La Feu back. But I think, for me personally anyway, I think that all but confirms it, unfortunately. Um, in terms of a couple of other names, um, there is one which, funnily enough, reports were surfacing after the game that that Max Waters from Crawley, he's not played the last couple of games. And there's rumours are that it's uh, Swansea have had a bid accepted for him. So, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get him. Uh, I don't Their recruitment's know... brilliant, isn't it? What, Swansea's? Yeah, Swansea's. Yeah. Like, they haven't got much money. Uh, they they pick up these gems. They they picked up Jamel Lowe yeah, from, from Wigan, uh, Wigan for £800,000. He absolutely was outstanding yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they, they had a winger, Smith it was. I think they picked him up for a free transfer yesterday. Uh, he, he played yesterday and provided the assist. And then if they're going to get... Um, the, the Crawley lad as well. It's just it's yeah. just fantastic recruitment. It just shows that there is gems in the lower leagues. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think they're sort of tipping this Max Waters to be the new Jamie Vardy, if you like. You know, he scored, I think he scored 16 goals already for Crawley, but he's not played the last couple of games. And the rumours are that it's because Swansea have had a bit accepted. So I'm a little bit disappointed we missed out on him, especially after what we've just spoke at length about of our lack of attacking options. Um, another player that, ourselves and Bournemouth have been um, linked with is winger Rabi Matondo. Now, he's a Welsh international and he's left Man City to join Schalke for 11 million. Um, but he's since made 30 appearances scoring against both RB Leipzig and Wolfsburg while also being included in the Welsh international setup. Um, ben, thoughts on this one? Another player with needs, attacking flair? I think I think it's just I'm not sure if it's 100 percent correct or not. I think people are just seeing that we we want kind of backups to Ismail Sarr and Ken Semmer, yeah. and then they're like, oh, we'll, we'll add him to the list. Um, but yeah, um, one thing I want to throw to you boys very quickly. Um, I know we're talking about transfers and that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a possible outgoing? I know the transfer window's just opened, and we've still got Ismail Sarr, yeah. um, as we've probably got no money to really reinvest in the squad if an offer comes in for Saw would would you take it and reinvest it into the squad so we can actually upgrade our midfield and strikers I think the Pozzos are very clear on their stance surrounding this I think providing that the correct offer was to come in then they will sell up and they will reinvest the money um, but if an offer comes in of say around £20 million then I think the Pozzos will say thanks yeah. but no thanks uh, that's, that's my view on it James yeah, I think I'm I'm at the stage now with Saar where he he hasn't hit the levels this season that that we all thought he would and and he did he cost us a lot of money as well. I think it was 30 million pounds plus plus add-ons to take it up to nearly 40 million pounds that he cost us. So mm-hmm. so look for a 40 million pound signing 
compared to, for example, as you said, then Jamal Lowe yesterday for eight hundred thousand pounds. Jamal Lowe showed Sar up yesterday, quite frankly, yeah. and and like Kapu, his his demeanour, his body language, it looks like he he doesn't want to be here. And I actually saw um, the Athletic do like a transfer. Um, they do like a running transfer rumour um, page on their website where they're kind of updated with rumours. Yeah. And Man United yesterday were actually back on that list saying they were still monitoring the situation with Ismaila Starr. Now, I don't know whether to read too much into that, but but, if, but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if big clubs like Man United, like like Liverpool, might still be looking at him. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I mean, quite frankly, as you said, Mike, if... If we got if we got the right offer for him and and the, and the club wanted to accept it, I, I I wouldn't be too devastated because I oh. think there's other areas of the squad that we need to invest into. Mm. Yeah, I'm the yeah. same as James on that. It, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we know Sar's got the talent, but it's it's not working for him at the moment. And again, it goes back to hopefully under Moonoff, we will see much more attacking flair in this side. But we are pushed for time, so we are going to quickly wrap things up. Uh, another player that we have been linked with is Josh Windass. It's the daily records that have reported to this. And that's had, um, let's say, a mixed bag of reactions on social media. There's a couple that are saying, yeah, it'd be good to sort of back up. And then there's other players that wouldn't touch him with a barge pole because Sheffield Wednesday are currently in a bit of financial trouble and um, he'd available, he'd be available for around £400,000. Um but just to wrap things up, obviously, gents, we've, we've mentioned, I just want to get your, your quick thoughts. We've, it's the FA Cup again. Uh, I absolutely love the FA Cup. Unfortunately, we've been dealt a bit of a duff hand this time. We've got Manchester United away who've hit form at the wrong time for us. I think the time the draw was made, they, they were looking pretty bad, but they're joint top of the Premier League now. So how many changes he'll make to the starting eleven, I don't know. But um, it's going to be a free hit, personally. Ben... Score prediction, just very quickly. 4-0 Man United. Oh, really? Is that because you think we're going to name to weaken side or do you just think we're playing that bad at the moment? Away I just think we play it. <laughs> if we was playing at Vicarage Road, I'd feel more confident. Um, it's away at home at Old Trafford. I think I have no, I have no hope in us scoring at all if we, if we continue playing Gray and Deeney together. Um, I think they're just going to be too powerful for us. I, I just... I only see it going one way. I think United are going to run right on us. Even if I do make a few changes, I think we could see a bit of a drop in Old Trafford. It's not. I mean, our record at Old Trafford is dross, uh, a drop. Sorry. Um, the stat pack's not going to look very uh, good for that one. Just a heads up, guys, because like I say, our record at United's not very good. James, very quickly, score prediction? Yeah, probably go over 3-0. I, I can't yeah. really see... 3-0 Man United, I should say. Sorry, I can't really see anything <laughs> other than um, other than other than Troy a loss for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> own goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I just think that Man United's bench is is too strong, and obviously they'll they're top of the Premier League joint top, I should say. Um, they'll heavily rotate. They even their rotated players. They've got the likes of Donny Van Der Beek, um, Fred, Scott McTominay, who can all play interchange. Um, Agarlo, that, that that that's it. So Odin Agarlo derby. Like, will we see Odin Agarlo play um, play against us? We'll have to wait and see. But, but has he yeah, already played I, against us since he joined Man United, or have I made that up? I'm pretty he, sure I think he, he has. Played, I think he played like the last ten minutes. Yeah, he came the, off the bench in the old Trafford fixture last season. Yeah. Um, but, if he's but, yeah. still got Watford in his heart, he won't score, will he? So he might <laughs> you score. Know what? You know what? I'd actually, I'm, I'm, I care. 
don't that show that to the Cup this season. Oh. If Odi Nagalo scored a hat trick against us, I'd, I'd stand up and give him a round of applause. Yeah, I'd be happy for him. <laughs> I can't believe this, gents. This is what this this is what what for the driving us to absolute madness. But yeah, no, like I say, ladies and gents, obviously Manchester United in the cup. Uh, a little bit disappointed we drew them because although promotion is the key target, I would have liked a little cup run. Uh, you know, it's it's always I always find it interesting. I would have quite liked one of the non-league sides like Marine. Uh, I've got Tottenham. Uh, if you haven't already, by the way, seen the tweets, Marine obviously are up in Merseyside and they've just been placed into Tier Four, so they can't have any fans in. And they would have been allowed. I think it was up to two thousand fans, or um, I think they have to run at a lower capacity because of the size of the ground. They would have been able to have fans in for their FA Cup tie against Tottenham. But because of the new tier restrictions, they're now no longer allowed. So if you haven't already, I did retweet the tweet earlier in the week. Marine are still selling tickets. It's £10 for a ticket. It's obviously a virtual ticket. The money still goes to the club because I believe they've missed out on £100,000. And Marine are actually below the conference north and south. So that money would have been a large, large sum for a, a team of that size. It's £10 for a ticket. You get entered into a raffle where you win a, either a season ticket, a signed shirt, um, a night out, two nights in Liverpool, and they'll pay for your accommodation as well. And then one of the other prizes is you get to manage Marine in a pre-season friendly. Uh, I personally have paid £10 for a virtual ticket, but I know Marine are absolutely nowhere near Watford geographic-wise, but I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. So head over to the Marine's Twitter, uh, and it's in the pins tweet, and just you know, ten pounds might not be a lot to me or you, but it will certainly be a lot to that that football club. So if you haven't already, go and uh, go and buy a, a virtual ticket. I think that's an absolutely superb idea, um, and it is gutting to see that they won't be allowed to have fans. But yeah, I think the the magic of the FA Cup's not here for Watford fans this year, so it's going to be a, an interesting one. Um, you know, not not to say the team news is going to be interesting within itself, uh, but in terms of the league, we are now back in action um, a week on Saturday. The fixtures are going to be reversed now. So we've played everyone but Millwall once um, now. I don't know when that's been rearranged to. I think it's midweek. But the next league game we've got is Huddersfield, who we played only a matter of weeks ago. And uh, it wasn't the best game. So hopefully this time around we're at home. We can get those three points. But... So it needs to start clicking away from home for Watford, simple as, because otherwise we, we won't make the playoffs at this rate. But um, as always, from myself, Ben um, and James, who will be joining us again next week to talk about Manchester United. Uh, thank you very, very much for tuning in and uh, enjoy the rest of your week, guys. <laughs> Podcast Network.